and welcome to Podcast You're All Clear. This episode, we're missing one of our beloved voices. Cheryl is not able to make it tonight. Wait, uh, what? Hopefully... She's not here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's not oh, here. Oh, sorry. I... You... We didn't start with a, a jingle of, of Cheryl singing the theme song, <laughs> Don't Need Attraction. <laughs> um, but the good news is we pulled in a friend to hopefully make up for the loss. All so, right. We hope you like him. In case you don't know who I am. I'm Molly. And I'm Ashby. Welcome aboard. Please keep all hands, arms, legs, and feet inside at all times. Podcast, you are all clear. We do have someone on the podcast tonight. Who are you? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Rob. And uh, it's it, I'm I'm excited to be here, Molly and Ashby, okay. joining you, st- standing in for Cheryl, speaking yeah. in for Cheryl, I should say. Big shoes uh, to fill. Big well, shoes to fill. I mean, I don't think she has that big of a foot, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, I'm gonna just mute my t- microphone. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> tiny, dainty feet. Right. No, yeah. Keep listen for the for the purposes. Here's my guess for the purposes of our of our conversation today. Uh, why don't you go ahead and keep those kinds of jokes coming? Yeah. Oh, 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 man! You have opened up Pandora's box. Here we <laughs> go. Yours, here yours. we go. Yeah. Here, here we go. Um, yeah. I'm pulling out my dad joke book right now. <laughs> they send that in the mail. Yeah, you get it with your uh, bottle. With your warmer. new baby. Yeah, <laughs> it's in the stork stork sack. <laughs> Is that what, what would they call that, by the way? You know how, like, in the car- the cartoons, they always had, like, the stork with the the sack. cloth sack? Like, was it mm-hmm. was it just, like, the the baby sack? Like, the... What's it called when you have, like, a, a guy who wraps all his belongings in a handkerchief? A knapsack. Oh, oh, a knapsack. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A baby knapsack. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Or stork sack. I, th- I think stork sack. Stork Everybody, sack. I think people, if, if a baby arrived in a stork sack, people know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If a baby arrives true. in a knapsack, that's a different, <laughs> probably, probably a different someone. What stranger <laughs> dropped off your baby? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I've seen that law and order. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he was just passing through, officer, and he just dropped off this baby. This baby's in a In knapsack. his knapsack. A large a large bird dropped it off. Right, right. Yeah, Anywho, on, sorry, we went way off topic there. Um, <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here. Which reminds me of tonight's topic, which is the Hoop Doo musical review. Is that the name? Yes. Of it? Did they make that up? The no, Hoop that. Yeah. It, is the, the name in the title? Uh, yeah, the Hoop Doo musical review. That's the full title. Often people refer to it as the Hoop Doo review, or just Hoop Doo, or the real super duper insiders just call it hoop. That's it. Ooh. I'm in there. That's me right yeah. there. Let's go yeah, to the hoop. Let's go yeah, to the hoop. Yeah, that's what Ashby called it earlier. Hoop. Oh, it is my favorite, favorite show. Ugh. I can't even. I can't even. Go ahead. Just keep going. I can't even <laughs> right now. It's just my favorite. I'm sure listeners are also like probably. There's there's those diehard fans like me that are just. They're already singing the I was song say, because they're, they're so. They're singing along. Well, well, and we'll which, talk. About, it depends on. No, which I was going to say we'll talk about the singing because I have some. I have some issues. With, <laughs> but that's a that's a whole topic. I'm sure we're going to discuss. So, anyway, the song I thought of was the Strawberry Shortcake song, and so I'm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite part of the night. 
Um, <laughs> You're like, Rob. what song? Oh, the song that's named after the name of the show. Anyways. No, not that one. Um, Rob, we, we have you on, though, for a special reason with Hoop-dee-doo. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure, yeah. So uh, my when when the park is running, when, when Walt Disney World is running at full capacity right. on all cylinders, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> there is a show called the Hoop-dee-doo Review, uh, the Hoop-dee-doo Musical Review. Um, they're at Disney's Fort Wilderness and Campground, and it is a dinner show with vaudeville-style singing and dancing and comedy. And I am one of the regular full-timers there at the hoop to doo Review. Yes. Uh, I play the role of Six-Bit Slocum. Ah, uh, such a great character. Yeah. Oh. And name. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> kidding. Six-Bit Slocum. Not to be confused with um, Six-Pence uh, or Six-Pack or, <laughs> or any of the other variations that, that people have given a go at. Six-Bits, as in two-bits, four-bits, six-bits, a dollar. That's amazing. I love that people do have called it different things. That's yeah. kind of hilarious. Well, and here's what's interesting to me. You know, I whenever we come backstage, whenever somebody has uh, said, oh, my six pence, you are my favorite. And I go, <laughs> I don't think I am. Uh, <laughs> I feel like... I feel like you would have. Uh, I feel like you would have. You would at least uh, just be a, a little bit better with the name if you. If I truly was your favorite, and I'll come backstage and I'll. You know, we collect these different names that people get them wrong, and uh, and I'll come backstage and I and I'll say to the cast and and if any of the cast is listening, I will reiterate and say again, I never actually say my name on stage. It's the rest of the cast that calls me by name. Oh. I never talk about myself in third person, first person, first person. When first, first person. First person. First person. Yeah. I never yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. myself in first person. Uh, it's it's everybody else in the cast that says six bits. Stop that. Six bits. Get over here. Six bits. Don't put your hand there. Um, right. it, you know it's. Um, <laughs> That's for the uh, late show. <laughs> six bits. They're the ones who say my name. I know. I don't say my own name. Uh, and so it's if when people get the name wrong, it's due to the diction of the rest of the cast. Let me just yes. go on. Yeah. yeah. Get That's that funny. Right. You know, it's funny you say that because actually the only the only character I can think of the name right now is Six Bits. Like, if you were to have asked me, like, oh, can you name at least one? That's the only one I could name because I can't okay. think of the other ones. All right. So, yeah, there, there, are, there are six of us, including Wait, is it, is, two musicians. I'm going to guess just some names and you tell okay. me if I'm right, okay? All right, go okay. ahead. Um, is there Annie? Mm, there is no Annie. No, okay. I was thinking of like Annie Oakley. No, yeah, um, Annie Oakley. Yeah. What about she would Paul... she would be in this type of show. <laughs> How about but not was, in ours? Is there is there a Paul Bunyan? There is, is not a... a Paul Bunyan. Damn it. No Paul Bunyan. <laughs> oh, strike two. I was thinking of I was thinking of like the head guy, you know, the 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 kind of the leader of the pack, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. So I mean it is based on archetypes and Annie Oakley is definitely an archetype that we have we have a character that is modeled after. Um, Paul Bunyan. Uh, I I wouldn't say that we have anybody who is modeled <laughs> after Paul Bunyan per se. Right. <laughs> Listen, but, I know that there's a blue ox in there somewhere. Come on. I think he you, just has blue pants on. He he does have oh. blue pants. <laughs> that was my confusion. Yeah yeah yeah. And backstage, that's our that's our nickname for him, the blue ox. The blue. Ox. Over here. Blue ox, you're on. Oh my God! I love. Take that. it away, Blue Ox. That's you got great. this, Blue Ox. Uh, no, we've got Jim Handy, 
Jim Handy and Flora Long. Uh, they are the singing couple uh, on stage, mm -hmm. as well as Jim Handy does a lot of the hosting during birthdays and anniversaries oh. and things like that. He's kind of the okay. leader of the, I, I should say, uh, He they, they say that he had the idea for the show and Dolly Drew came along shortly <gasps> thereafter. Dolly. Yeah, Dolly yeah, Drew, yeah. she's the redhead. Um, and, uh, or I should say she, she is typically wearing red. We, we, right. she isn't always a redhead. Um, but, uh, she, she is, has that red dress. She, she does. She has the red dress. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, uh, her partner is most notably six bits locum. We all partner mm -hmm. with each other at any given point, but we kind of go in these partnered groups. So there's, uh, Jim Handy and Flora Long, there's six bits locum and Dolly Drew. And then our dancing couple is Johnny Ringo and Claire DeLune. Ooh, yeah. Oh. I love Claire. Johnny Ringo was probably one of my, like, my favorites just watching the perform because of the dancing thing. That was always sure. fun to watch. That was really yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, uh, you know, it's interesting. We've done the show every now and then, and this is, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into a few of the little, little, little insider information, little, little details, In little behind the scenes tips and, yes. and things that, that maybe you didn't know about. We are ready and prepared to do the show, uh, really, no matter what. Um, we... We need to do the show because we have a house full of people who are hungry and they are. And until we sing that song, they're not bringing out any food. And so we've got to do the show. And so uh, no matter what, we there is definitely a mentality of the show must go on. And we make sure that a show happens. Three shows actually happen every night uh, when when the show is running. And. But at the same time, you know, life happens. Real deal, honest to goodness, life happens. And so there is Florida traffic and there is <laughs> weather uh, and right. there are things that sometimes make people um, that, that, that hold up the stagecoach for some of us, I should say. Right. <laughs> and so uh, so sometimes we end up doing some of the some of the show without a full cast. Oh. Um, and that those are out there. You can find them here and there on YouTube and things. Some of those versions of the show. So we'll go out there with with missing one person. Um, wow. And so we'll we'll do the show with just five people. And here's what is fascinating to me is how quickly the show becomes unbalanced when you're on stage. Mm. How quickly the show becomes unbalanced just by losing one of us. Oh. And um, and especially. You know, for me as Six Bits, everybody puts a stop to what I am doing at some point in the show. And if that person is missing, then there's no voice. There's no action on stage to put a stop to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And somebody else has to assume that role and take on that responsibility of Six Bits. Mm -hmm. Stop that. Um, and so it's very, oh. it's whenever we do those shows where we are missing any one of us, um, it's a real, it's an interesting study in how all six of those archetypes are necessary to be on stage mm -hmm. for the show to be balanced and when one of us is missing the show really truly does feel a little bit strange and you can see out in the audience people going what is going on this seems right this seems strange what is what is happening this right is now so uh yeah banging their bucket of chicken like what's That's going right. on here <laughs> what's this what's all this um i did want to also mention that we do have um also on the piano is professor tommy oh yes and then smiling jack on the banjo Nice. And uh, we also have we also have Homer who is running all of our uh, all of our, our sets and everything, all of our curtains opening and closing and uh, the roll drops going up and down. And then we have Casey who runs our spotlight as well. Oh, I love Casey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's I love that those characters are also part of the show that aren't I necessarily so. seen, you know. Yeah. It's like the show element is part of the show. Right, right. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. It's kind of like so, in 
Festival of the Lion King, how it's like, we're traveling group of performers. <laughs> right, right. It's like, right. no, you're yeah. not. <laughs> no, no. I, I, of the travelers here, you aren't them. No. Yeah. I don't buy so, it, Nakawa. So just to uh, reiterate, like, there, there isn't a person that could be missing that would basically bring the show down. It is, you can do it without... Now, is it just if there's more than one missing? Well, I should say, and again, this this is a little bit behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. the 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 one role, the one role that we don't do a full show without is, in fact, Six Bit Slocum. So if I am there, Whoa. we are we are always going to do <laughs> the, the full show. That's uh-huh. interesting. Um, yeah, and it, you know, it's there's so much about the show that is comedically driven, um, right. and there's so much that Six Bits does throughout the show um, right, to right. keep the show fun and and uh full of frivolity uh and so when that piece is missing um you know it it, it makes for for it i should say that they will end up needing to do a different kind of show altogether so right right yeah that makes sense worked three nights three times a night every day for the past (laughs) every 15 years every day (laughs) <laughs> no, we we do have, we do have uh, the show runs seven nights a week, but we do have two full time casts, cool. and um, and so d- depending on the night of the week that you are there, we always um, whenever people. Uh, come and visit and they pull us aside and they say, Oh my, well, you, you are here all the time. Do you ever take a day off? <laughs> and I will, and, and I'll say, well, what, do you only come on Tuesdays? And they'll say, yeah, we only come on Tuesdays. So I go, okay, well, that explains it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah. If, if you, if you work that math out, uh, but yeah, we have, we have two full-time casts. We have a four day cast and a three day cast. Mm. Uh, and so I am, I am fortunate to be a part of the three day cast um, which which makes me uh, available to work at other stages and do other roles that I do all around Disney property and well, other places in Central Florida let's as well. Talk nice. about that. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your 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 journey. How did okay. you how did you get to Hoopty Doo? And then I'm very very curious to hear what else you're involved in. Okay, how did I get to Hoopty Doo? Well, uh, I was born and raised in Ohio, nice. and I. <laughs> Uh, yep, and I I knew that I wanted to be in show business in one some way, shape, or form. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. <clears throat> and so a friend of mine uh, said, "Hey, I just saw this thing that they're having auditions in Orlando to work at Walt Disney World. Um, you should go." And I, <clears throat> right out of high school, I hopped into a car and did a whirlwind. Um, you know, drove 16 hours and went to the audition and I got the gig. And so then, um, then I, they, I said, but I don't live here. And they said, Oh, well, where do you live? I said, I live in Ohio. And they said, okay, well, how soon can you get here? I said, can you give me a month? And they said, sure. Yeah. So I auditioned in September and I started in October. Now I was hired as a puppeteer at Walt Disney World, actually. And so my very first show was at a show that used to be in Fantasyland called Legend of the Lion King. Oh, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right. That's absolutely right. And so I, I started there as a puppeteer playing roles like Simba and Mufasa and Scar as well as Cub Simba, and uh, you know, it was there was there was a cast of oh, let's see, A B C D E F G H I I yeah, there's a cast of of nine that would do that would do the show. I, 
Yeah, that was that was it. <laughs> we, we we labeled our tracks by letter. Um, so there was uh, there was there was nine of us who would do the show um, every day, and uh, and so there were multiple casts there as well. But yeah, so we would all get a, a hand at doing playing different roles and doing different things. But I started there at Legend of the Lion King, and I quickly learned a show called Pocahontas and Her Forest Friends. <gasps> Wait a oh second. God. I know. Here I heard you talking go. about this with my friend Jared. Here we That's, go. <laughs> um, I, I love these. I think, and you've probably heard this with Jared, like I love where we can connect the dots of like where, because me and Molly both have worked at Disney and yeah. so and it's fun we both to Pocahontas right. We both work friends. there. Yeah. <laughs> now, when did when did you work? Because this might be interesting. When did you work at Pocahontas and her forest friends? Um, I worked 2007 to when it closed. Okay. That's not true. 2007 yeah. to 2010. It closed in like 12, right? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. then I was so, there the, the the basically the full year of 2008. Am I getting that right? Yeah, 2008. Yeah. All right, so we missed each other by a little bit. I was there in 2001. 2001 through it would have been uh, 2007. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's so, uh, yeah, that's when I was. I was there not full time for, for all of that time, but I, I was there and around and doing that show pretty regularly. Um, I also worked on Voyage of the Little Mermaid oh, as, yep. as a puppeteer there. Um, Sebastian yes. and Ursula and... Um, oh, my gosh. Did, did you... Hear, wait. Gonna... Did we do our show? Oh no, we did. We did a different episode of Voyage of the Little Mermaid. But I was talking about how, and and you, maybe you can even like validate this. But like, I got to do the whole shadow thing where you mm-hmm. stand in that spot with a black, the black light experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. cool, amazing. I told I told uh, Molly and Cheryl and our audience about how just like it was. It's the most impressive thing to watch uh, the performers doing the puppetry, but. While they're doing that, they're, like, talking about how, like, oh, we went to the ale house last night, and we, this, that, and the other, and they're doing all these movements, and I was like, oh, my, I'm, I'm, my mind was blown. Yeah. Absolutely blown away. Yeah. It it does get to a point where you're, what we refer to as muscle memory, where your body just kind of does what it's supposed to do. You know, when we're talking about doing these shows, um, you know, five days a week, 11, 12 times in a day, mm. um, your body just gets into a rhythm that, that it, it just knows what to do. You put on the costume, uh, whatever that looks like for that role, you put on the costume and your body just goes, okay. I'm ready. Let's go. And the so music cool. starts and it just your your hands and your feet, everything just knows what to do after a certain amount of time. And you can I, I shouldn't say shut it off. Everybody's always paying attention, but at the same time, you're right, we're able to have kind of some side conversations. <laughs> Whatever was going on in the green room, we can sometimes carry that onto stage <laughs> with <Right>. us. <laughs> uh, and the audience never knows. And you know, I'm I'm a big proponent. As long as the audience doesn't know, have a good time. Whatever you need to do on stage to right, um, right. have a good time, to keep yourself engaged and enjoying yourself there as long as it's not a distraction to the audience I don't care you know it, it doesn't bother me one bit I also worked on a show called Playhouse Disney Live on Stage yes right across the way yep, from yep. Voyage of the Little Mermaid and it was the same kind of thing where you know we could have all these side conversations down in the pit as puppeteers that you know and just be doing things and hang you know there was uh, there was one guy who actually he he would have earbuds in and listen to other oh music while he was doing the show. That's insane. And it wasn't, it, he could still hear the show, but right. he would listen to other things to just kind of give give the scene a little bit of a different underscore for him. It just kept hmm. it interesting for him. Um, and I, you know, again, that's stuff that the audience would never know. It did not affect his show whatsoever. 
And so for all that kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to just keep it interesting for the performers, I'm all for it. Um, it's, it's when it crosses over that the audience starts going, hey, wait a second, there's confusion on stage. What is going on? Yeah, right. that's, that's when we, we need to take a step back and go, okay, let's refocus, zero in on, on why we're all here. For, for Playhouse Disney, that one was impressive because of, uh, for those, those who don't know, is it's under the stage so you guys are on those stools like basically yeah. flying back and forth with those puppets <laughs> that 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 was again another impressive one to watch uh behind the scenes first of all i want to say that i think puppeteering shows are my favorite like everything yeah. that listed oh my God, I'm <laughs> um, i have two big questions and um one is my favorite puppet of all time and one is my least favorite puppet of all time okay my favorite who is responsible for the genius dancing turtle in the Voyage of the Little Mermaid? <laughs> <laughs> that guy has the best move. He was yeah. a topic of conversation for a bit. <laughs> yeah, that turtle gets that that turtle gets a lot of response. You know, I played the role of Sebastian in the show, and Sebastian oh, wow. is supposed to, you know, he is the conductor of Under the Sea. He's the one who's bringing in all the instruments, <laughs> and he is he's the first character you see Sebastian, and quickly thereafter you see Flounder. But Sebastian is the conductor. He's he stays downstage center the entire time, and he's pointing at different things and swimming all over the stage and pointing out stuff you pay attention to this and wherever Sebastian looks that's the thing that you're supposed to look at well all of that goes out the window Sebastian loses all credibility and nobody cares what Sebastian is doing as soon as that turtle shows up well and we said too like the turtle feels like he's like he's a park parks exclusive character he just wandered onto the scene he was like oh sweet a party danced in a while. and then you never see him again like he's he doesn't yeah. exist in any other universe. He's just like, no. oh, I love to dance. I love to dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Now, so yeah, that is, um, you know, that, that, performer starts off as a whole bunch of different things at the beginning of Under the Sea, at the beginning of the opening number. They play a whole bunch of different roles, but then they leave and they have about, they have, it's a very quick timeline that they have to run backstage, put, get the turtle on because it is essentially, it's a full body puppet that the legs are attached to their legs. The hands are attached to rods that are on, that are on the, the performers manipulating the head is more so like kind of, uh, on the chest of the puppeteer. Um, and so everything that they move around with and everything that they do, um, is, uh, yeah, all of that is, uh, whatever the, whatever the puppeteer is doing with their body, the turtle does. And I remember for years and years, I was in a number of rehearsals and it was always fun to watch the turtle puppeteers learn their choreography for that section of the show. Because what you see, the, the performer, the puppeteer themselves has got to do it way bigger than the, in, in order for it to show up on the puppet itself, in order for that visual to be seen on the puppet. So yeah, it's, um, Oh, that's always fun. What's your least favorite? All right, so I, um, and this just comes with seeing this show, you know, eight times a day. I can't, I still have nightmares about Sprig the Little Tree. <laughs> he is something else. Can I he... tell you, can I tell you, <laughs> as a puppeteer, Sprig was, it was the most challenging puppet role to learn. Um, not necessarily the most physically demanding, but it was the most challenging to learn by way of all that he was capable of doing. Uh, but once you learned how to do all that stuff, once you figured it out, oh my goodness, the possibilities were endless as far as what we could have him do and make make read with this puppet. So 
Let me, can I just, I completely understand how he might be a little bit scary, but can I just tell you everything that was involved with him? Yes. I, I need to love him. I okay. need to love him. <laughs> so, um, I, I'll, I'll try to do this visually for our listeners. I'll try to explain all of it. So the puppeteer would slide underneath the stage and they would be kind of on a, on a reclining chair. Um, and so coming down from the center of the stage was kind of, was this swivel that it was a, a bar that had, if, if you moved the bar to the left, then it coincided with Sprig then moving to the right on stage. So everything was reversed that way. Um, but so, but also any to anywhere that you swung this swivel around, Sprig was able to move as well, um, in the opposite direction. So not only was there that, but then there was a separate movement that controlled his neck and head movement. So you had the full swivel of the tree itself, but then also a swivel of the neck and head. So there was that. And with that same hand, you had control of the lip sync. So there was a little kind of like a bike break that you would pull to work the lip sync. But then here's where it gets interesting. With the with the, the puppeteers, with their left hand, there was a keypad. And it, it was called a, a pneumatic puppet where it was air powered. So you would press a button and his, with my first finger, um, it would make his right arm go up and down. And then with my second finger, it would make his right arm go in and out. With my third finger, it would make his left arm go up and down. And with my fourth finger, it would make his left arm go in and out. Oh, wow. But then with our feet, I had on, there was a pedal with my right foot that controlled the eye blinks. And then with my left foot, there was a control of the eyebrows. Jeez. So intense. Right. And so as we, you know, you learn how to do all of that and make it all work together. And honestly, it takes about, it would take about um, doing it regularly. It would take about six months to get really comfortable and confident uh, to have all of those movements be fluid uh, and, and, and look good and feel good for the, from the audience perspective. So uh, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on with that puppet. So now, you know, I completely understand. Here's this, uh, you know, he was supposed to be a, a five-year-old, six-year-old tree <laughs> that, you know, his movement, I mean, that's why, you know, he was a young, he was the young voice. He was the one in the show that everybody could ask questions. He was the one that could ask questions and kind of be silly and, and naive. I just have like very distinctive memories of, um, first of all, I do a really good impression of Sprig. I'm Ashby, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. <laughs> I, uh, I would love to see it. I think yeah. that on, on the, because you guys have the Instagram account, I think you should post yeah. a picture of what Sprig looks like. Yeah. May, yeah. As well <laughs> as a video of you just doing Sprig. throwing my limbs around. <laughs> <laughs> trying to look at the, there was a guy, there was a guy who was able to, uh, his name was Mark. It still is Mark. Um, his name, his <laughs> he name is Mark. It <laughs> but he was able to take that um, that fr- <laughs> the front branch. He would um, flick it and make it look as though Sprig was tossing his hair, as though like the leaves that were on top of his head. Oh my gosh! He would he would take his front. Um, limb uh, the limb of the tree the the branch he would take that and swing it forward and then swing it back and at the same time throw his head back and it looked as though he was getting his leaves out of, out of his face it was brilliant that's, that's that amazing yeah i just i also just have like because you may not be aware of this but the ops people have to stand on the side of the stage for like safety or whatever yeah and so i would just be sit, standing over there minding my business like counting down till whatever the bump 
And I would look over at Sprig, and Sprig's looking right. I'm making eye contact with him. <laughs> and yeah. I would be like, stop it. <laughs> Sprig, Sprig stayed awake all of yeah. the time. <laughs> he was, yeah, he's one of those faces. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of those, like, I love to hate it kind of a shows. I get I, it. it. Well, was, and here's... It was fun. You know, it was right next door to Festival of the Lion yeah, King. it's not fair. It's not fair. And, (laughs) you know, and also it's not aimed. It's not aimed at everybody. That show is not for everybody. The the audience of of, um, Pocahontas and her forest friends was five-year-old kids and really nobody else. No. And so, (laughs) yeah, so if you aren't that then, you know, the show was not, was maybe not for you. And, uh, and that's okay. But people would come out of Festival of the Lion King on such a high and they'd be like, oh my, and wait, there's another show starting right now. Let's go to that. <laughs> and it was so different, uh, you know, so much more low key and, and simple and laid back. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I did love, like I gasped every time Grandmother Willow appeared, even though it's the most simplistic puppeteering move. I was like, oh, there, <laughs> there she is. It's my girl. You got you. That was, we spent a lot of time because you didn't want to catch her nose. <laughs> the oh. whole thing, yeah. You spend a lot of time in rehearsal, making sure that 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 movement for her to appear happens in such a way that um, she doesn't get caught, that her neck, that her nose doesn't get caught oh mid tree. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we could talk about Sprig. All, all <laughs> we should move yeah, on. You, we're we're dangerously close to needing to change the topic and the title of the yeah. podcast. Episode. Right. Yeah. Right. Never mind. This is about Sprig <laughs> and her and his forest friend Pocahontas. That's right. Um, so, all right. So yeah. I did. So I was a puppeteer, um, did that for a bunch of years. And then, okay, so here's where things take a major turn is I was getting together with some guys on, on it was like Monday nights, Tuesday nights. We were getting together and just on our own singing barbershop harmony together and oh. like doo-wop, rockapella type stuff. We were just getting together and doing that. And so we got, we caught wind that Hong Kong Disneyland was about to open and they were looking for a group to be the Dapper Dance. They were looking for a quartet to be the Dapper Dance in Hong Kong. And so, but they were auditioning in Orlando and I was, and, and we all said, well, you know what? Um, let's go to this audition. We're not going to get it, but let's go to the audition just to show <laughs> our face and be seen and noticed. And maybe, maybe we might, you know, just be on their radar for future things that come along. Cause you know, we honestly, we weren't very good. Uh, we, we were, we enjoyed singing together and we wanted to do stuff like this more regularly, but at the same time, we just, we weren't all that good. So we went in and we got a song and a half into our audition and the casting director waved his hand and he goes, okay, 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 stop, stop, stop. And I told you we weren't very good. And I Mm -hmm. I thought for sure, okay, they're going to send us out of the room. But instead he goes, all right, so here's what I'm going to do. The guys that are in Tokyo, I'm going to send them to... Um, Hong Kong, and you guys, I'm going to send you to Tokyo. So it's a 13-month contract. All of you need to say yes. It leaves next month. If one of you can't go, then none of you can go. Oh so you need God. to figure it out. Um, we'll give you a weekend to figure it out. Talk about it with your with your family and come on back and let us know if this is something you would like to do. Oh, wow. So it happened very quickly. Uh, that audition was in, uh, yeah, that audition was in March. And we left in April, and we were there through May of the following year, and we were singing with a group called the Dockside Porters, uh, which in Tokyo Disney Sea, and mm. so did that for 13 months, and it was singing barbershop and getting to see that part of the world. 
uh, I got to do that. And then, so all of that to say, then I come back home after that, and a buddy of mine who actually had hired me to be a puppeteer, he and I had become personal friends, um, he, he contacted me again, and he goes, hey, actually, we need to have people start teaching the shows puppetry-wise. Would you like to do that? And oh, nice. I said, sure, yeah. So I went. I auditioned for that, interviewed for that job. It's called a uh, the that job is called puppet specialist, um, and there, that job still exists where there are people who specialize in puppetry and teaching and maintaining the puppetry of Walt Disney World. <clears throat> so that job still exists, and it's part of a, a larger um, department within the company within entertainment called entertainment show quality. Entertainment show quality at the time mm. existed of about a hundred people whose job it was again to teach and maintain the shows and they would watch the shows right along with the guests and just make sure that they were meeting the expectations of our guests as well as the creative team. So once you learned a show you weren't finished with rehearsal uh, at Walt Disney World. There is always somebody who is watching and making sure that you are doing it to the expectation that you were taught and to the expectation of our audience and to the expectation of, of the creative team, um, just maintaining all of that. So I got to work with them as, as a puppet specialist and I shared, I started on a show called, um, uh, finding Nemo, the musical. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, so I was working on that and teaching that show and, so here's whenever people ask Rob, how can I how can I do what you do? What is your path? Can I follow your path? I'm like, mm, it's this is a really it's a very winding road <laughs> is my path. But uh, you're you're welcome to have a go at it. But at the same time, we all get there in different ways. So because I was working on Finding Nemo the musical and I had a little bit of a performance background, um, I was able to step in. For any anytime somebody was missing from rehearsal, one of the puppet specialists would step in and and stand mm. in that place. <clears throat> and over time, some of the directors and creatives and stuff they they were kind of like, "Rob, is do you is this something you want to do?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I, I would like to do that. I I would be happy to be on stage, but you know, right now I'm teaching and I'm happy doing that." And they go, "Okay, but do you want to perform?" I said, sure. <laughs> and they said, okay, have, have you auditioned for us? And uh, I said, well, no, not really. He said, well, c come on in and audition for us. So I went in and auditioned and um, started working on shows like Turtle Talk with Crush, as well as um, the Hoopty Doo Review. That was when that came around and came to be. So um, that kind of sort of gets us up to speed. I learned Hoopty Doo Review, but I wasn't able to do it very often because I was teaching so much. And so they came to, I, I went to them and I said, hey, what if we flipped it? What if I was an emergency sub <clears throat> to teach at Walt Disney World? And instead, I kind of put all of my attention and focus toward performing again at Walt Disney World. And they said, well, that sounds like a win-win. We still have access to you as a teacher, but you can go and kind of follow your dream as a performer. And so that's what I do. And so it, it was shortly thereafter that I ended up being able to step full-time onto the Hoop-dee-doo stage. Uh, and I've been there for ever since. That's amazing. How long would that have been? Yeah, so let's see. That uh, I started in October of 2013. So how long is that? 
Yeah, yeah, coming up on seven years there full time, uh, and I love it. I love it so much. And I'll tell you, it's the it's the kind of show that the people say, Rob, how do you do the same show night after night, three times a night? How do you do play that same role, doing it over and over and over again? Well, Hoopty Doo is set up in such a way, and we can talk more about this as we go. Hoopty Doo is set up in such a way. There is a structure to the show. There is a script to the show, and at the same time, we are given allowance to step out and away from that roadmap. Mm. And we always talk about, you know, yes, you can leave the roadmap, but at the same time, you got to also be able to know how to find your way back. So the script and the material, all of that works. Just do the material when you're first starting out. Just do the material, do the show, do the script as it is written. But over time, you learn everybody has their own little um, details and uh, bits that they add over time. And now I'm in a place where uh, really... Um, anything that the audience wants to throw it at, at six bits or at the show in general, I'm ready for, and I have an answer for, and I'm excited when, when the audience kind of gives us something different to deal with. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, um, I should say we don't encourage it. Like don't show up and just like try to, uh, <laughs> try to derail right. our show, yeah. but at the same time, that's just not going to be a good experience for anyone. But at the same time, when something goes wrong, truly wrong and something goes not to plan or something happens out out in the house that we get to comment on and make a part of the show and call back to it's just is so great and so much fun and so because of that because there's enough extra and different that happens every night it makes it really easy and fun to come back and do the show again and again because we never know what it's going to be what the new x factor is going to be from any at any point yeah. It's it's so interesting that you you mentioned that because I feel like that's one of the things that I love about the show is that you can go, you know, I used to go every year if it was not more than that. And yes, the show, like you said, it does have this kind of like structure to it that you know is going to be the same. But there was always an element of what I didn't know if it was truly improv or <laughs> made you made you believe that it was improv because of how well, you know, you guys played off of things. So that, that was always a fun thing that I loved about the show. There's uh, one of my favorite actors in town. Um, I heard him say one time, when I say in town, I mean Central Florida just in general, but I heard him say one time, it is the illusion of spontaneity that fascinates our audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter, you know, um, I, I heard Seth Godin, uh, he's a, a fantastic marketer, blogger guy, and he talked about it doesn't matter um, how many times Bette Midler played Dolly. It only matters that she f- appears fresh tonight. Yeah. Right, right. That's right. it. That's yeah. all that matters. The it's audience so doesn't care how many times she's done the show prior to this. Right. All that they care about is that they are seeing her on her game fresh tonight. And so that same idea, it's the illusion of spontaneity. It's the, it's this this illusion that we are doing this for the very first time. Um, and honestly, again, the people that I get to work with, um, my friends and my family that I get to work with, my entertainment family, uh, like we know each other, we like each other, we trust each other implicitly. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we are ready and willing and able to have each other's backs when things go awry, but also to try some things. So, hey, I want to I try something during Clementine tonight. I don't know if it's going to work, but just give me some space. Mm-hmm. And they do, and we all find out very quickly if it works or if it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But then also, uh, they might be able to go, hey, I know what you're trying to do. Here's what I think. If I set you up this way, I think that might help. And then it it is truly, we are creating some, some 
true spontaneity. Um, but at the same time, once we once we've landed on something that works. Uh, it is so much fun for this audience, for this new audience that's coming in. It's so much fun. We know that we're ramping up to this thing that is brand new and fresh uh, for us, and we can't wait to show it to this new audience. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the, the fun of it. When, when we talk about recreating spontaneity, um, you know, it's a, it's a conflict in terms. Like it, it sh- that, that shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. But it does because the spontaneity, that's the fun of it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait to recreate spontaneity over and over and over again. And with a, like an audience, with any audience participation, that's just going to always lend itself to very unexpected, hilarious moments. Just the different people are, are awkward or funny or yeah. in different ways. That's always going to be. Well, and hilarious. I have a theory, you know, Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. And the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World is the most magical place on earth. And there is a difference there. And I will say that I, here's my theory. And I, you know, I don't have anything to back this up other than my own personal opinion and thoughts about it. But when you go to, (laughs) when you go to Disneyland, um, and I never understood it until I actually went there and experienced this. When you go to Disneyland, um, it really truly does have a different feel to it. Everybody would say, oh, Disneyland feels so much different. You guys have been to Disneyland? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like everybody goes, it has such a different feel. You agree. It has a different feel, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I never understood it. I was like, how does it have a different feel? How can a a place have a different feel until I went there, until I experienced it? And I walked down Main Street USA of Disneyland and I went, oh, this has a completely different feel. This is, in fact, the happiest place on earth. Right. And... And I think for me, my theory is, and this is just me talking, I am not representing the Walt Disney Company in any way, shape, or form yeah, as, I, say that. <laughs> as I speak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put that at the start of this. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. I would yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as, as, I, as I walked down, wh- what I realized, and as I spent time at Disneyland, is that they, they don't really allow for mistakes to be made. They don't allow, they don't give much room for things to go wrong. And because of that, there's an ease that the audience, the audience, the guests there at Disneyland can have of just knowing it's all going to run smoothly. We can breathe easy. We can just have a good time because it's all going to run smoothly today. But then you come over to, as far as entertainment goes, you come over to the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, and now we're the most magical place on earth. And here's what I'll say. We still don't, we don't want things to go wrong. We're not looking to make things go wrong. And at the same time, we do put things into our shows. We put things in Walt Disney World Entertainment in general. We put things into our shows, such as audience participation, um, that allows us for things to go wrong, allows for things to go wrong. But the magical part is our response to it. And so it's, it is responding in the moment and yes, ending with an audience, yes, ending with a guest, yes, ending with this audience volunteer that they have, they've put our show, they've taken our show off the rails. But what we know is that that's better, yeah. <laughs> that, that the audience knows kind of the turmoil that we're in and they're seeing our face of going, we have to figure this out. We have to work this out and make this happen. And then we do. That's magical. So that's my, that's my theory of the difference, um, entertainment wise between Disneyland and Walt Disney world and, and how they are the happiest and why we are the most magical. I love that theory. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I think it's so good. There, 
we've had uh, several discussions kind of on the exact same topic and there's um you know there's all different angles and ways to think about it but i love the entertainment angle that's really cool Mm -hmm. that's cool so let's talk about the show a little bit okay (laughs) or maybe we should start with the food the fact that this this is a dinner show yes and it's only one of one of two dinner shows uh, at walt disney world Mm -hmm. luau being the other Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, from a guest perspective, like I just think Hoopty Doo. My my personal opinion about Hoopty Doo Review is the best show I think I've ever seen at Disney. It's just such a great. <laughs> but I also come from, I come from uh, a country way of living. So for me, <laughs> it also has like a touch of home to it between the food and just the entertainment itself. Yeah. Um, but. So maybe that's that skews my opinion a little bit, you know, between the two, where I say Hoop Did You Review is the the best, and the Luau is, eh. <laughs> um, but even you know, just from a from also you know, um, working at Disney, and at one point I was in the reservation, the call center, you know, so I would be taking phone calls to set up reservations, and of course Hoop Did You was the hardest one to get people into because it was always busy, it was always full. And then you'd always suggest, you know, well, we do have another show over at the Polynesian, and it was always hard. It was a hard sell. Um, and so from both sides of it, I just, I've always felt that Hoop to Do is just hands down the best show on property. I think the Luau has its, you know, pieces of great character, but it just doesn't win me over. It's just so different. Like, it's understandably it is, like... Yeah oh, hoop de doos full, we have another dinner show, but it's so different. <laughs> it's like not, it's right, not right. a replacement. Like, I would rather be like, hey, I'll show you how to sneak in chicken tenders into Festival <laughs> Lion King. Like that. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll really help you out. You're right, um, you're right. So I, I went, grew up going to Disney every couple of years we never made it over to Fort Wilderness and Campgrounds, uh, mostly because it's really hard to get to. I mean, you could you could take a boat from Magic Kingdom, but that was not in my mom's guidebook, and we did not do that. <laughs> um, and I'm sure she probably tried in 1995 to call and make reservations and couldn't, and so then we just kind of moved on to other stuff. And I never made it, never made it there until we were adults and working there and. Ashby, our friend Julie, is obsessed with the mm-hmm. Hoop to Do review. Yes. And insists every time her family was in town, we would all go. And I, I, I won't say I was reluctant to go, but I had absolutely no expectations of it. It had been kind of, you know, you can read a little bit about it or you've heard or it's on resort TV, you know. But I was like, okay, fine, fried chicken. Fried chicken and a bottomless mimosa. <laughs> or not mimosas, um, bottomless sangria. The like, sangria, sure, I'm yeah. there. Take me with you. Um, and I just, from the very first moment, it's so chaotic and so <laughs> joyful and just loud and silly and just, it's a wild, wild ride. And you, I don't know, it's just, it's so fun. And I love the way, and I don't, I don't, I'll be honest, I have not been to a lot of like um, dinner theater. I've never been to like medieval times or anything, but I like the way that Hoop Dee Doo is like, here's food, eat it. 
singing and dancing and laughing. Here's more food. <laughs> Eat it. Like, and so you have, you get that, you get that reintroduction to the cast every time. And I think that energy is really fun. And in between, you're like, oh, I love chicken. And how funny is this show? Like, it's, you get the moment <laughs> to kind of digest everything. Um, and then everyone comes back. And I think that's the flow of that is so smart and effective. And by the end of it, you're just exhausted and your like stomach hurts again, both from <laughs> right, ribs right. and just like laughing so hard. So I I love it. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Ashby, were you there the night um, I got to do the onstage moment? I don't think what? so. Um, yeah. Was I, there I was that gonna, night, I was gonna, Molly? I was gonna ask you, Molly, if if you'd ever been pulled up on stage. Yeah, I did. I can't remember. It was one of we again the friend who was insistent on going a lot. I was, it was one of those nights, but I can't remember if you were there. Um, and I, I was, I did the little like can can girl moment. Maybe I was there. This, so this sounds familiar, but I don't, I don't know. I think you, you, were you should also post a picture of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no video. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I can imagine it wasn't great. No one, no one, um, in casting was in the audience and was like, Hey, go get that girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's talented. <laughs> we had a guy years ago that got picked to be the wilderness scout, and truly, honestly, casting was in the audience. Casting was in oh the audience, and this guy made such an impression that he got himself an audition, got himself a callback, and got himself a job That's in entertainment. Hooped, oh my! Yeah, not a, not a hoopty is... do. He ended up uh, doing uh, Citizens of Hollywood. Oh uh, my gosh! That's like yeah. my dream. It is possible. I'm just saying it is possible. Like when if you get pulled up as a volunteer, you never know who's going to be watching. So do as you're told and, you know, like go over the top when they ask you to go over the top. But, you know, like put on a great show. Be a great volunteer. Uh, Hey, while we're talking about can I can I um, just quietly um, this is not my podcast, but can I quietly just correct a little something that I heard on the streetmosphere? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Okay. So and and it's not a big deal, but but here actually it is you might think it's a big <laughs> deal. <laughs> oh so, my god, what is it so be? Streetmosphere is the name of one specific show. <gasps> mm. Streetmosphere is not the overall um entertainment outside on the street at Walt Disney World. Streetmosphere Streetmosphere is specifically and it and it does not exist anymore, actually. But it Streetmosphere was what is now the Citizens of Hollywood when mm. Disney's Hollywood Studios, Disney MGM Studios at the time opened. Mm. That's what it was. That makes sense. And that idea, that term was created by an Imagineer named McNair Wilson, um, who actually, he performed as Six Bits in the Hoop Dee Doo Review. Um, he oh. founded Sat Comedy Lab in downtown Orlando, co-founded oh, it. Nice. Uh, but he also, he created a lot of the entertainment that was happening at Epcot when Epcot first opened. Um, there on the streets, the World Showcase players and things like that. He co-created a lot of that stuff. But he then, they brought him in and asked him to uh, kind of create some entertainment for the Disney MGM Studios at the time. And he came up with this idea of these people who just live in Hollywood. And right. and they said, well, okay, well, what's what what kind of what kind of a show is it? He goes, it's there is no start or finish to the show. They're just there. They're just there all the time. And there's no like there's there's you just run into them, and they might run into you, and you can have these interactions with people who live on the streets of Hollywood, uh, and you know Sunset Boulevard. They just live there, and you'll meet these people. And they said, well, what's it called? He said, it's called Streetmosphere. Ooh. 
Yeah. Hmm. And that's what that was. But so, but streetmosphere was part of a bigger thing, which is altogether um, atmosphere entertainment. Right. So atmosphere yes. entertainment altogether. So uh, there was some question of wh- how do you define what is streetmosphere? What is atmosphere entertainment? Mm, what is the yep, difference? Yep. Um, and the difference is um, actually that streetmosphere uh, was its own thing. Atmosphere entertainment is anything that happens kind of uh, not on a stage, not with a showtime, but rather at the street level and you just kind of happen onto it. Fantastic. Nice. Now, yeah, I remember us talking a little bit about that, so that's good to get some... Yeah. clarification on that that's awesome oh absolutely yes thank you uh, what Appreciate i was gonna that. say uh before we started talking about this was i got pulled up on the stage twice at hoop oh. did you review yeah and i didn't get cast so i haven't i have some i need to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> well right yeah come on guys like yeah. also that they says a lot about early show my, you know again yeah you gotta yeah go go to some of the earlier shows you you, you gotta it you know that's casting, true casting yeah, doesn't right. come to the late shows that's that was oh, my actually was it's funny say. you said that i was thinking that in my head like oh i was always at the cast shows which was always the last <laughs> show of the night so that was never the <laughs> that's hilarious wait ashby who did you who did uh, it was. It must have been the. I don't know the names, so I'm assuming it, it was always the. What was your What was your costume that was given to you? It was the. What was it the you the headband with the, like the the, I think it was the, like a little loincloth. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The uh, the wilderness scout. The that wilderness was it. Yeah. Scout. Yeah. Because you always had to do like the over the top when the kick the bucket thing would happen. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. Don't yeah, die, yeah. Davy. Yes. Yes. And it's crazy that I got pulled. I mean, I guess there is a type, but like twice, two different shows, I got pulled up to do that same role. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny because, you know, we, we do look for somebody who is in, engaged in watching the show, somebody who looks like they want to be picked, somebody who looks <laughs> right. like they're having a good time. Uh, but also, you know, we want them to kind of fit the archetype of the, the yeah. role that we want to ask them to play. And uh, and it is funny sometimes, you know, we'll get some can-can dancers up on stage and we'll talk to them backstage and we'll be giving them, you know, okay, here's here's how you do this. And they're like, yeah, 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 I got it. Okay, and then this is going to happen. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this is going to happen, and we, we then go, have you done this before? Yeah, this is, this is my fourth time. Oh my <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I will say, though, like, I'm not, I've never been on, like, a stage in my life or anything like that. And so it was all, I've never been backstage at a show that's going on ever. And oh, that's funny. And they take you back there for a second, and they get you dressed, and they're like, here's going to happen. Boom, boom, boom. And I was like, I'm going to mess this up. And then <laughs> and then you don't because it really is so organized and um, well thought out that like I did it. Like I don't, I didn't embarrass, I mean you embarrass yourself a little bit, but not because you messed <laughs> up. Um, and I well, just that's... remember being like, that was so supportive. I felt so supportive. Well, <laughs> so and that's there. absolutely the hope is that, you know, again, if somebody, if somebody goes off of the script that we've given them, if they go outside of what we've asked them to do, um, as long as they are safe, <laughs> we will, right. we will, you know, allow some of that stuff. And at the same time, you know, we're, we're there to help you. We're there to make sure that you shine and that you, we're not there to make, we joke about, you know, we're going to bring up these volunteers and they're going to make a complete fool of themselves. <laughs> and there's an element of that just for fun. But the truth is we want to make sure that you know what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, what you're supposed to say and how, you know, we don't want it to be, a, we want it to be fun. 
We want it to be a fun thing for you to do. And uh, we want it to be memorable in a great way. Uh, And, you know, at any given point, we're ready at any given point. If somebody goes, you know what, Uh, I just I don't I don't really care to do this. No problem. No problem. That's okay. We can go on without you and we'll get you back to your seat and nobody needs to know. And everything's going to be just fine. Um, Yeah, we just we want it to be a great experience. I love that. Do you, Rob, do you have a favorite part of the show um, that you love either? Well, I guess two questions. Favorite part of the show that you love performing or do you, uh, this is a silly question, but do you ever watch the show? And is that a different favorite part of the show? Okay. So, so yeah, a couple of things is um, my favorite part of the show to do. um, And I think you'd be hard pressed to find any six bits who disagrees um clementine is just the most fun Mm. that part Mm -hmm, of the show mm -hmm. is just now here's so here's a little a little backstory uh for my character it is my belief that six bit slocum believes that he is going to take over the show one day that he (laughs) is going to be given the show that jim handy is going to retire and that he's going to say you know it just makes sense uh i'm going to give the show to six bit slocum and yeah and so this is my belief um, so six bits all the time is trying to prove himself to Jim of going, look, I can do it. I can do what you do. <laughs> and at the same time, six bits is just so fun loving that he, um, you know, I, I always say, uh, we do the opening number. Okay. I did the opening number. I did all the choreography you asked me to do. Now can we just have a good time? Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that's kind of what is going through my head as far as his intention throughout the show. Um, but the, you know, I think Six Bits the entire time is just trying to prove himself that, look, I can do it. I can perform. I can be a part of this show. He's always just looking for his place in the show um, all the time. He, whenever he interrupts, it's always to say, hey, do you think maybe I could dance in the next number? Hey, do you think maybe I could sing a song? It's always him saying, do you, do you think that I could have a part in the next section? And the rest of the cast is going... Well, no, we already rehearsed this. You weren't there for rehearsal. And no, we don't have a place for you in this next part. So just stand back and let us do what we do. And then Six Bits can't help himself. He wants to throw himself into the middle of everything. So I love um, I I love Clementine for that reason. Um, And also just getting to have that relationship with Jim Handy, the the actors, the performers that play Jim Handy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the listen. Six Bits gets, gets a lot of credit for making the audience laugh, but, <laughs> but Jim Handy and Johnny Ringo and Flora Long and Claire DeLune and Dolly Drew, they each do so much to set up Six Bits to succeed. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. So mm-hmm. much. And yep. they are, they are inter- comedically, they are the unsung heroes of the show. Six yeah. Bits gets the punchline so often of the time, but at the same time, man, they are doing such a beautiful job setting that up. And Clementine is so much fun. The different performers that we have playing Jim and the different energies that they bring and the different character that they bring and the way that that changes then what my performance is going to be and the, yeah. our relationship on stage. It's so much fun to do. Okay, so that answers the question of what is my favorite part to perform. Yes. My favorite part to watch, um, yes, I do still watch the show twofold. Um, I watch the show as a guest whenever I have the opportunity. If, if I'm off that night and somebody says I'm going to hoop de doo Rob, do you want to come? Yes, I do. Yeah. And it is not, you know, I was a fan of the show before I started working on it, and I continued to be a fan 
as I'm working on it, which I feel <laughs> like like that should say something not only for our show, for sure. but for the Walt Disney Company altogether, that we truly I, I love the show. I love the experience. And even after I know, I mean, it's my full time job, even after I know how it all works, I still want to go there on my day off and experience it. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But also I am uh, I am uh, one of the vocal captains on the show. So uh, all of the shows have, we have vocal captains and dance captains. Um, and so I make sure that all of the, all of the, you should never watch the show and go, man, that singing was incredible. You should never do that. But you should also never walk away going, wow, those harmonies were super out of tune. Uh, so so uh my responsibility is just to make sure that that vocally everybody is is staying to the intent of our creative team our show director uh perform and and musical director that they are singing and performing in a way that is in line with that so i get to watch the show somewhat regularly and i get to experience the show that way and i just i sit up on the shelf um just in the back corner and watch the show and listen to the show and i am reminded time and time again uh, just to watch the audience experience it and to just be, you know, again, for me, you talk about the chaos that happens at the beginning, that those back doors just start rattling and the audience just looks behind them and they see the doors rattling. And finally, the cast busts through those back doors and out and into the middle of the audience. And so sorry, we're late. Like we talk about as a cast, what a joy, what a gift we've been given that the show starts because we are late Like there's an automatic energy that comes from that. Yes. Um, We run on stage and and we have a great time that way. So I am reminded as a vocal captain watching the audience experience this show for the first time or or the 10th time or 100th time. But that joy still being there, it just rejuvenates that joy in me all the same way. You had said, um, Ashby, you had said that that the Hoop Dee Doo review is your is the best show. It's the best show that that you've ever seen. You love it. Mm -hmm. It's your favorite. And uh, and thank you for that. But. Going back to, I mentioned Larry Billman earlier, I think, who was the original show creator. Um, and he was known as saying, uh, the Hoop-dee-doo review should never be the best show at Walt Disney World. It should, <laughs> it should be the most fun you ever had. Ah, oh, that's, that's so great. good. Yeah, that's so great. And, that you know, let let other sh- let Festival of the Lion King be the best show you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Let Fantasmic be the best thing you've ever seen. Let, <laughs> let all that, st- you know, the big spectacles, the fireworks and the, you know, let let all of those be the best show at Walt Disney World. We are going to be the most fun you ever had. And so true. I think so because true. of being the most fun you ever had, um, people walk out going, man, that was the best show I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so true. And the the environment also lends itself so much to the, like, um, you go in relaxed. Like, the campgrounds are relaxing. Yes. It's like, a, it's not as hot. I mean, it's hot. But, you know, it's not walking down Animal Kingdom. It's, you're, not, right. you're not sweating right. the same way. Um, yeah. you're just a little bit relaxed. You're a little bit away from the parks. Everything's a little bit slower and quieter and you're all, so everything's just, it's setting the mood up so well to just have a night that's just so fun and so funny. And again, bottomless sangrias. That helps. <laughs> that helps a lot. It's fun. It's really fun. Well, that's, and it, you know, that's, that's something that I love about just going to the show is that it, um, it's it's one of those elements of you know how with Disney anywhere you go you're you're removed from real life, and it it's kind of this neat t- t- taking you out of your real life and taking you to this cool, very laid back uh, re- camping atmosphere. You know, um, I love every time I go. 
we always go, you know, you're supposed to get there early anyways, but we get there super early because we like to walk around the area there around Pioneer Hall and we, we mm-hmm. get, usually get there early enough to see the animals while they're still in the petting area and maybe even take a little walk down to the dock to be the, the, by the water and take a little walk into the camp store. It's just this, you get just immersed in it already and then now it's time for the awesome dinner show. Um that just it just makes for such an amazing time from start to finish, you know, with everything involved. I think it'd be fun as I was reading about it today, just a little bit of the history of the show is kind of neat um and how long it's been around. I don't yeah. know if 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 you'd like to kind of dive into that. I mean, I've read some stuff, but I don't know what's so, true, what's not true. Yeah, I'll I'll be I I can I can help. Yeah. I can yeah, help please. maybe fill That'd in some great. holes and things. Go for it. Um, so it it did the show opened in 1974. What? Gosh, that's three three years. That's yeah, crazy. after 19, 1971, uh, Magic Kingdom opened, and then uh, and and Fort Wilderness was there, and the Pioneer Hall was there, and there was a handful of, of shows that they had kind of rotating through there. I believe uh, there was a show called the Star Spangled Washboard. Band, mm. I believe okay. uh, mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. can check me on that, but uh, do a little fact check for me. Yeah, Star Spangled. No, we don't do those. We don't okay, want anybody right, checking on. Please do not check our information. <laughs> so yeah, that that show was there, and you know, super fun guys. Um, you can still here and there their their picture and stuff is still around uh the fort uh just because they mm. were definitely they they were barefoot and banjos and washboards and just. You know, super fun show. Anyway, so that that existed for a while, but they were looking for something that could be a little bit more permanent. Uh, you know, they, they had this show that was kind of rotating through, but they wanted something a little more permanent. Well, there was a, a, a summer college program, and it started with a college cast. They did a national search to just find six talented performers, three guys, mm-hmm three girls and when and let's get together in Orlando and let's put together a show we have an idea for the show but at the same time we don't know the details yet but we just need some college kids that know how to sing know how to dance know how to have a good time and let's put a show together and so Larry Billman who I mentioned earlier he he had he he had the original vision for the show um and so he just got everybody together and he said, okay, what does everybody do? What are your special skills? What do you, what do you, what do you got? And they created the show and the show has existed pretty much, pretty much in terms of its structure, kind of untouched from 1974 on to present day. Um, so that happened in 1974. Now we have a couple of different openings of the show that we, there's about three opening anniversaries that we celebrate their actual opening day uh and but then they were also in previews so there was a preview opening day where they tried it and changed the show a little bit and tried some more things and changed the show a little bit and then they finally had their opening so all of that was with the college cast but then it came time for the college cast summer was over it was time for them to go back to school and they realized well we can't keep these college kids from going back to school we need to but the show is a huge success so let's bring in some full-time actors some performers to do the show uh that are not college kids so then they did another national search to find some performers that uh that are some musical theater performers that are trained and they they can come in and do the show that has been created by these college kids 
Well, so that was that that came to be in early September of 1974. So we have those three. It was their um, uh, preview opening day, their actual opening day, and then the full timer um, non-college kids opening day. So there's three <laughs> different whenever people celebrate the opening of a hoop de doo it happens about three times over the course of, <laughs> of every year. Um, so that that happens. So the show pretty much remained untouched. Until um, and it, it had definitely the structure, but it certainly it was much more loose. The show was much longer than it is now. They would they would do one or two shows in a night. Um, and now then they got to a place, I want to say in the early nineties where they said, okay, let's, let's make it more structured. We've tried and we've experimented and we've tried a a bunch of different things. We know now over the course of doing this show for almost 20 years, we know now exactly what works. So let's script it and set it and make sure that the audience gets a great show every time. Mm -hmm. So that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say in the early nineties, maybe the late nineties. Um, and then uh, now we have a, a, I believe it was back in 2010, where we had a revamp of the show altogether. The structure of the show did not change, but we got ourselves a brand new opening number. And uh. yeah, okay. So this is a point. Of, there, there are two teams. <laughs> there are two teams. There are, there are folks who are the diehards who say, no, the original song. And then there are people now who go, no, we love this. We love this new song. So what are your thoughts? Well, okay. I, I think for me, I just I, I kind of fell into the boat of like I love the original so much, mm-hmm. um, and then I and then of course I heard about the song changing, and I actually looked into like wait there's a there's a an original of this song by Perry Como like I'm not <laughs> even right, aware yeah. of this, and it became added on my Spotify because I love the song right. so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think it was just because I loved that song and. and Anytime anybody ever mentioned Hoop Dee Doo, like that song, I'm like, Hoop Dee Doo. Like, I'd be like jamming out to it immediately. And then I went after it changed, and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, like, it's still cool and fun, but like, not as fun as what I loved because it was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm in that boat of like, I'll still go and see the show, but man, do I miss that original song. Okay. What? Yeah, when was, sorry, what was that? When did it change? What time? It changed, I want to say 2010. 2010, maybe 2011. Okay. Um, and so a couple of things on that is I, I think that for the most part, you know, we don't do any advertising of the show, uh, of the Hoop Dee Doo Review. Uh, the majority of the reason that people find Pioneer Hall and find the Hoop Dee Doo Review is through word of mouth or they came as a kid. And now they want to bring their kids. You know, my kid was the Texas Ranger or I was the Texas Ranger when I was seven. And my kid is now seven. Can you pick him as the Texas Ranger? You know, like we, we get a lot of that. And so people who come back for the nostalgia of it, I think a lot of them are the, are the folks who go, oh, man, we missed the old song. <laughs> um, and I totally get that. Absolutely. And we have tried to, you know, Walt, Walt Disney said that the parks should all be ever changing yet never changing. People <laughs> should be able to come back and experience the old favorites that they loved when they were a kid. But there should always be something new for them to experience. And the shows, the entertainment are exactly the same way. We revamp everything, all of the shows, all across even even things that you might not notice um you know lighting changes and things audio improvements that you go man that that show that i've seen for years and years just seemed brighter it just seemed sharper uh (laughs) just seemed better this time and it's because we're continually working to improve things on the shows making them ever changing yet never changing so hoop de doo is a great example of we're an ever-changing yet never-changing show it's always gonna you should still 
leave the show with that same feeling of, man, was that fun every single time. But the way we get you there might change. So I think um, a couple of things then within that, that people who saw the show for the first time with the new opening number, they love it. And they don't have any understanding or recollection of the old old number. Um, We have had... One of our, uh, sorry, two of our musicians, we have two musicians, a piano player and a banjo player, who, believe it or not, they are original cast members to the show. Wow. And they were there on, on opening day of 1974 at the Hoopty Doo Review, and they continue. One of the guys is full-time still with our show, and the other guy is retired, but he still comes back and subs with us. And one of the things, I, th- it was something that, that was telling for me, um, is he said to me, you know, Everybody loves the old old opening number, and we do too. Everybody loves it. There's great nostalgia there. But the old opening number didn't always end with applause from the audience. Huh. And the, oh, new, the new opening number, the way it's structured, always ends with applause. And okay. so, you know, I think there's something to be said for if our goal is, is to give you the most fun you ever had. Yeah. Um, then we should be leaning. If if there's a part of the show that doesn't always get a that doesn't always get applause, doesn't always get a response, then I would be in the camp that says, okay, let's address that moment and change it. Yep. Right. Right. I think that's true. And I would say I'm. I would be casual. Or I have not seen the show enough, or casual enough to a fan to be to see the new version and just assume I misremembered how the song went <laughs> you know I'm, a, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not aware that it has changed even I'm, I'm I still love it I still enjoyed myself so that's fascinating yeah Ashby you brought that up earlier today and I had no idea that it had changed that was a yeah we act. were I was texting before we were doing the show and I was like oh let me tell you about this I got this some drama <laughs> this drama with hoop-de-doo okay <laughs> No, I. Well, it's funny because like I'm I'm also a huge fan of polka music. It's it's really awkward. Um, <laughs> we all have but, something. We all have something we that we but, that, like something we listen to quietly in our cars. That right. when when somebody uh, walks close to your car, you turn it down. Turn yeah, it we right, all have something. Right. At a red light. Well, and yeah. my taste for music is interesting enough, you know. But <laughs> the polka part of it is 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 a uh, yeah. It's one of those secret loves. Um, but finding out that Hoopty Doo was kind of an original, like it originally was a polka song uh, back in the day and, and the style of it, um, it, that's another reason why I loved it so much. So anyways, sure. I, do lo- I do love the new song, but I have such a special like love for you know the original. I totally get that. I completely get that. And I think over time, uh, you know, there, there are people who love Wishes. And nothing could be better than right, wishes. Right, right. And then along comes happily ever after, and people go, right. "Oh, oh, I did not realize I I could have an emotional attachment to this show as well." And you know, I think over time, you know, the what was nostalgic before can still remain nostalgic, but then you gain new memories, new emotions that are tied to what is that to what is new, Absolutely. and and you're able to to get a, a new nostalgic tie to that new thing, so. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Nighttime Spectaculars because <laughs> Illumi- Illuminations is probably my all-time favorite yeah. show. Yeah. It's a fireworks show for sure, but all-time favorite show. And I'm I'm very hopeful, right? Like, I, I loved every minute of it, but it's like happily ever, ever after changed the game Absolutely. fireworks shows. So I'm excited yeah. to see. Just a little side note. Just a little side note. 
um, the guy who hired me at, to work at Walt Disney World as a puppeteer. And then the guy who came to me and said, hey, do you want to teach puppetry? And I said, sure. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. Great guy. Super creative. He was the director for Happily Ever After. Oh, um, wow. That's cool. Is he real? Like He's this, a real this... person. <laughs> he's a real person. There was, yeah, there was a vision, a singular vision. You know, he definitely collaborated uh, sure. with a whole bunch of people to make it happen. But there was a singular vision and he pitched it and it was accepted and they said, okay, you're the director. Make it happen. I mean... Wow. That person. I, I, <laughs> Happily Ever After is so perfectly put together, like the visuals and the, the music. The music. So, the yeah. best Disney songs in one So song. let, me tell you, let me tell you about this guy. His name is James Silson. And uh, he's, there's, there, there's all kinds of video that was put out ahead of time uh, talking about here come the new fireworks at the Magic Kingdom and he's on those so you can you can wow. see him and you can see his name and everything so I'm not sharing any secrets as to uh, how this came to be but he is such he is that that perfect blend of of big picture but also detail guy and when yes. he gets such tunnel vision when he's working on a project any project having known him now for almost 20 years when he gets working on a project, he, he does not sleep. He does not eat. He has this tunnel vision, this singular vision that goes, I need to, I know what it needs to be, and I'm going to make it that thing. And um, he is also, um, he's, he's one of these jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. He spent a lot of time as a puppeteer at Walt Disney World, and then he became a puppet specialist, then became the puppet master at Walt Disney World. Whoa, um, that's a title? It was. It, well, it, it is a title. It still is a title. And um, yeah, Puppet Master at Walt Disney World. And so he did that, but he was also working alongside Creative Entertainment um, to develop and create shows. And he raised his hand to become a show director, uh, create shows that way, and was working on a handful of different things, but then uh, ended up getting... Uh, um, happily ever after but he is again I say jack of all trades where he has this puppetry skill but also a music skill that is I believe that the the, the putting together of the music for happily ever after is unmatched uh, 100% agree. just you know I love how he chose the other songs yes. you know like of Punch course that. there's the big hits that are in there but but then there's the other songs that are so good and just immediately just take my breath away and the arrangements and everything. And he had a hand in all of that again, collaborated. There were people that he worked with, but he had a hand in all that and just wanted to make it absolutely spectacular. And, uh, and he did. That's fantastic. Hmm. What a hero. He's my new, he's my new (laughs) person. Oh, that's so good. I am curious though about, you mentioned you are full time at Hoop-de-doo, but you're also involved with some other performing stuff in town. Can you share any of that? I can. Uh, yeah, so a couple of things. I Yes, my, my main gig is the Hoopty Doo Review at Disney's Fort Wilderness and Campground at Pioneer Hall. But when I am not there, uh, I sing with the Dapper Dans of Main Street USA. Yes! Um, I sing lead with them. So Jared, who you had on before, Jared sang baritone with the Dapper Dans. He was on the end in green. I am standing in the middle in purple most nice. often, purple stripes. And so that is, yeah, so I sing with the Dapper Dans. I also, I used to do a show called The Royal Majesty Makers, which was a, um, an atmosphere show in Fantasyland. Uh, we helped pull the, we, we found a hero of Fantasyland every day who pulled the sword out of the stone. Right. Nice. We did that, yeah. And um, 
So uh, good friends with Tobias Quick there. Mm. Um, and then, uh, what else? A Turtle Talk with Crush. You get to do that show That's every now fun. and then. Hang out with Crush. Uh, and then what else? Um, and then, of course, Finding Nemo the Musical. I play Marlin in that show. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Um, I tell people all the time that aside from space travel, I truly cannot, I I cannot think of another job. I can't think of a job that you cannot have at Walt Disney World. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, whatever you want to do, whatever you do in life, we, because Walt Disney World is a small city. I shouldn't even say small. Like it's, it's a city. It's a, it's a regular size city and, and it runs 24 seven and everything needs to be accounted for. So whatever it is that you do, we have a place for you to do that here. And so it is funny how people kind of get their foot in the door in one place and then find themselves kind of, you know, they, they meet a person and start going down a path toward a new job and a new career path. And there's any number of things that you, that you can do. And I can't, I literally, aside from space travel, can't think of anything you can't do at Walt Disney world. I mean, gosh, that's so true. You could be like, it is. Oh, it's I, so true. Yeah. I'm an electrician. It's like, yeah, we need those. <laughs> <laughs> and then even for a season, uh, for a season, like we're opening mission space and we needed people who had flown, who had been in space. Like even for that season, we just, we needed people who knew what they were talking about there. So yeah, even for that little bit of time, I couldn't even say what I just said. Well, I mean, and and I love that you say that because that was something I used to always preach to cast members all the time. I would always help them find those things too, because you could, like you could start out as an attractions cast member. And then, I mean, there's numerous people who ended up, you know, following kind of like their dream of, oh, I always wanted to work with animals. Oh, cool. Great. Go be an animal, animal programs cast member, you know? I mean, I was one of those little kids who, they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, a manager at Disney World? They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Is there for real? Right. Well, right. I think, you know, it's it's just a matter of getting here. You know, get here and, um, you know, and get your foot in the door. It's it's far easier to move around once you're in right. um, than it is to get in specifically to the place that you want to be. Good yeah, it's very true. Very true. Rob, are you, were you, have you ever been involved in other Orlando entertainment moments? Yeah, um, I, I also work at SeaWorld. Oh, yeah. uh, and I am yes, I am a proud Sea uh, World. I am associated with Sea World. I should say um, I work for a company called Oddities Entertainment, um, and mm. and also there's a company called Fight or Flight Productions. And so we provide a lot of the entertainment for Sea World. Um, mm-hmm. And but I am I am a proud um, employee, through roundabout way of Sea World. Mm-hmm. Um, the the work that they do, um, I'm just so proud to to put on that name tag and go yeah. in and do that over there. Um, and so yeah. I have I started my very first job with them was back in 2002 and it was doing a pre-show for the sea lion and otter show oh nice and uh, so I did it was kind of it's this silent character that um, as people are coming into the stadium he just kind of messes with people as, as they're coming into the stadium oh I remember uh, to that to see the show yeah so I did that for a long time and then remember that quartet that I mentioned before that we weren't very good yeah. um, well uh, <laughs> we got hired by SeaWorld uh, to go in and uh, sing some stuff around Christmas time and we were sharing a break space with a a trio of um, kind of a Three Stooges type comedy act. And those mm. guys were there seven days a week. They were full time at SeaWorld called the Longshoremen. And I got to hang out with them, chat with them for a little while. And auditions came around to join their troupe. And so I went and joined them. Wow. 
And I did that show for a long time, The Longshoreman at SeaWorld. Um, and then I also, uh, what else? Um, and then there was, there was a show, uh, the, the, the Sea Lion show went away, and a new show came in called Sea Lion High. Oh, and yeah. I came on as the actor track on that on that show where we did the pre-show, but then we also played a series of teachers throughout the show. <laughs> and, you know, Sea Lion's going to high school and all the antics that can go with that. <laughs> and then, uh, but now I'm back there again. They, 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 have, they now have what is called Sea Lion High 2.0, where they kind of revamped the show, redid the show, and they brought back that original silent character um it's a mime uh the sea world mime the world famous sea world mime right, uh, they, sure. they brought him back uh for this new version of the show and so i've been doing that um you know That's supplementally so extra um in addition to all my disney stuff i've uh, been doing that extra as well and then um in there's there's another organization in town called central florida community arts and i volunteer with them i'm on their board uh but they Central Florida Community Arts makes the arts affordable and accessible to everyone. Nice. And we know that uh, we know that the arts um, not only has the possibility, the potential to change a life, it truly actually has the possibility and potential to save a life. And if people can find their place, if they can find a home, if they can find a family in the arts, if they can find a place to do that, then, you know, it just life is better when when you are in the arts. And so the organization exists to make the arts affordable and accessible to everyone. And so I have been on staff with them. I've directed a bunch of shows with them, as well as now I sit on their board and uh, volunteer with that organization. So, um, yeah, I stay busy. Yeah. That's amazing. And I love... I mm-hmm. should say that there is somebody sitting downstairs at my house, uh, making sure that the dogs in our house are being kept quiet while we record this super fun podcast. <laughs> oh, the, the real hero. The yeah. real hero. That's it. Right. My my wife, my wife, her name is Kate, and she is the best part about me. Like people, I, I, um, you know, I have a there's a lot of fun that I get to have on stage and there's a lot of attention that I get because of what I do, but I would not be able to do any of that stuff. If it was not for my wife, I would not be able to do any of that. She is somebody who continually, she was the one who was like, you need to go to this audition. You need to, you need to put yourself in front of these people. You need to go to these places and do these things. And so I get to do a lot of what I do and have the life that I have that I'm so happy with and having so much fun doing because of her. But I would also say, so she is, um, I am incredibly attracted to talent and I have found the most talented person in Orlando to marry. And she is, she <laughs> sings, amazing. she sings first soprano in the Voices of Liberty over at <gasps> Epcot. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right? Um, for, for a long time, she wore, she wore the blue dress. She got a new costume uh, a couple of months before, a couple of weeks, rather, before this pandemic all hit. So she's not in the blue dress anymore. But if people have seen Voices of Liberty and if they've seen the soprano in the blue dress, her name is Kate and she is great and she is my wife and I love her so very much. And, uh, but she love also it. sings with a group called Voctive. Um, if, you're, oh. if your listeners are looking for some like fun new Disney music to experience. Voctive is an acapella group and they are world-class out of control. Amazing. You have never heard tenors sing higher. You have never heard basses sing lower. You have never heard um, all of these voices come together to create these arrangements. It's a Voctive um, like octave, but with a V and you can look them up on YouTube and there's, they have a whole bunch of Disney tunes that they've recorded that will blow your mind. Oh, 
I am already. I'm pulling it up right now as we're like talking. <laughs> like I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm ready. A little bit. You guys, I'm ready. Like what a household. <laughs> well, and I. I wanted to tag on to what you had said about. Um, you know the the organization and, and how the arts saves saves lives and helps, and I I don't think that that has been more true than what we're going through right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the pandemic, and I know there's been a lot of, especially because I don't know if you're aware, but I'm I'm in LA in LA right now, and in in the industry, and you see a lot of people who are struggling right now. Yeah. Um, artists across across the board, um, because of this pandemic, and it's so sad because a lot of what's keeping us going through the pandemic is the arts you know we turn to television movies theater um, music uh that's what helps kind of keep us going and unfortunately that's kind of the hardest hit right now um during this time so it's nice that there are organizations out there that can help yeah. um, artists yeah. um, and it's, during this time. And, and those organizations, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling. The arts organizations are struggling a lot. Theaters, mm-hmm. the, the local community theaters, they're having a hard time because it's also nav- navigating, you know, how and when do we open? When do we open right. and how do right. we open? How are we going right. to do this? Um, I was just talking with some friends of mine a couple days ago, um, in addition to my wife just last night, and we were talking about how, like, I've always been able to hang my hat on the idea that entertainment has always survived in good times and in bad. That mm-hmm. the Great Depression happened, but entertainment did fine because people, in during bad times, people want to feel better. And during good times, people want to celebrate and feel even better. And so entertainment has always found a way to survive and thrive through good times and bad. Um, and so, but we never thought of a, of a worldwide pandemic that, that never, that never occurred to us as to to be something that could happen in our lifetime. And so now all of us who went, no, it's okay. I have, I am, I'm putting myself into the arts industry. Yes. There's some stress that can go with being an artist. Uh, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, there's being a starving artist is a very real thing. But yes, but at the yeah. same time, we could always go, okay, but I make my work happen. And now performing artists especially are having a hard time going, okay, but I literally cannot gather an audience. I'm not allowed to gather an audience in a place to do what I do. Um, right. But to your point, Ashby, um, creators will always create and they will always find a way. And we're all working together. We're all trying to figure out how are we going to do this. And we've seen some great Zoom performances. I think mm-hmm. radio plays <laughs> are going to make a giant comeback. Yeah. Um, the animation world is 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 about to just have a flood of a whole people. Everybody can do their work in their own space and still put some work together and put something out there into the world together. It, it is going to happen. We'll, we will get through this and the arts will survive. Entertainment, live entertainment will survive. Yeah, I'm excited. I think, I think you're right. The creative people, I mean, obviously are, are creative, but we're not, we don't even know how creative yet. Right? Like there's, there's some <laughs> right. stuff brewing right now that we're going to yeah. be like, what? Why didn't I think of that? And I think we're about to see the beginning of a brand new renaissance of oh, artists yeah. are quietly yeah. working on what they do. And mm-hmm. when all of us are allowed to come together again, I think we're going to see a boom in mm-hmm. creativity in live entertainment that we haven't seen ever before. Wow. So true. That is so the true. most like, hopeful outlook on the pandemic that I've heard. 
<laughs> that's ever. great. Yeah, that's so amazing. Thank you for that. That's going <laughs> to keep me going for another six months. <laughs> right, right. That's that funny. and Disney vlogs. That's, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> Wait, Rob, so you also have your own podcast. Is that correct? I do. I do have my own podcast. <clears throat> I have two. I have two podcasts, actually. Oh. Um, the first podcast I came up with, it was, uh, it was kind of a, um, a matter of integrity for me. I was doing all of this reading and writing and learning, um, and talking with people, individuals about kind of this, all of the things that I had learned, um, working at Walt Disney World and working in live entertainment and the parallels to just in general of leadership and creativity in through for the rest of the world and what can I learn what can I share from my live entertainment world that will be applicable for everybody else in their leadership and creativity so I have a podcast called the leading creative podcast and it is specifically about the idea of leading creativity and leading creatives and what that looks Hmm. like and how to do that so I put out a brand new podcast every Thursday morning um, right around 5 a.m. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't, that's when I start my day. That's right. No, I, I don't do it live by any means. Uh, but that is the due date. Uh, that is the due date and the due time, uh, every week I know, okay, I have until 5 a.m. on Thursday to get this yeah. thing recorded and, and published out into the world. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, that's what I talk about there. And, um, so leadership for me, it was just something that I didn't realize I was passionate about until I had been under great leadership and then been under poor leadership. And I went, Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. I, you know, I've, I've had, I I had this experience of being under bad leadership. I want to make sure I never do that. How can, how can I be the kind of leader in the world and on stage, um, you know, there, there's in in our theater world, we talk about the lead of the show, the lead of the play. I got the lead, you know, and yeah. the lead typically all it really means is that you have the most lines. But <laughs> right. to stand on stage, you don't have to in order to lead the cast on stage, you don't have to be the lead. You can be a leader on stage without having the lead role. And so when I first started having that realization and that understanding of going, okay, I don't always have the lead role. I don't, but I can perform in such a way that I can, I can lead others to perform and raise the level of performance that's happening all across this stage. If I pay attention to my leadership from the position that I have right now on stage. So started doing that. And then I realized Okay, so I'm learning all this stuff about leadership, but if I don't have anything new to say, if I don't have anything new to contribute, then what good is that leadership? So that's where the creativity comes into play. And I realized that I, I am passionate about that intersection of leadership and creativity, most specifically in the theatrical live performance space. Mm-hmm. But I am so passionate about great leadership and really fun over-the-top creativity, out-of-the-box yeah. thinking. Um, I love, and when those two things come together, it is just, for me, it's just a sweet spot of true innovation. So, um, so I got going on that. And when I say it was an integrity issue is that people were like, so Rob, you're learning all this stuff. What are you doing with it? What are you going to, how are you going to share it? And, uh, and I went, well, yeah, I guess I should do something with it. So I started a <laughs> podcast called the leading creative podcast. Uh, and I've been doing that for a couple of years now. And I, and I just want to throw in, I, I pulled up your podcast as I'm listening right now, just kind of looking at the titles. And I see that 
a couple of episodes ago, you had Dan Cockrell, which is kind of a big. Yeah. If you if you're in the Disney world, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't mean to do that. You know, that's a great name. I've I've worked with him a couple different times in my tenure at Disney, and what a fantastic guy! And I'm yeah. sure you, you probably encountered that when you were. Uh, chatting I did. With him, but, I, well, I yeah. tell the story on on the podcast actually that he and I shared an el- an elevator one time. Oh. I was on my way up to go help uh, pull the sword out of the stone, and uh, and I hear I, I hit the button for the elevator, and I hear behind me, "Hold the elevator!" And sh- here comes Dan Cockrell around the corner, and he comes in, and now here I am, uh, just me and Dan Cockrell riding in this elevator. Uh, going up to to the to the the ground floor of the Magic Kingdom, and uh, or the second floor of the Magic Kingdom, I should say, and <laughs> um, and now here's what was fascinating, is that immediately he goes, "Hey man, how's your day going?" Now I am yeah. I am dressed in like this over the top. <laughs> he's you know he's in in Disney look with his collared shirt and his name tag, everything yeah. pressed and perfect. Uh, I am not dressed that way. I have this over the top hat with a giant feather coming out of it, and you know a, a, a flimsy um, uh, foam sword, and just all you know. I, I was dressed to be a character in Fantasyland, and he turns to me and he goes, "Hey man, how's your day going?" And I said, oh, you know what? It's it's. I'm just starting, actually. It's but but so far so good. And he said, is there is there anything about your job that that you wish was different? Oh my god. Yeah. And I go, well, uh, well, I mean, not really today. I'm having a great time today. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, what do you love? What do you love about your job? What do you love about working here? And we were able to have a conversation, um, you know, and and we both got off at the same time, and we walked to um, we walked a little ways. Then on stage together, he and I immediately had to go out into character, yeah. but he he stayed himself for a little while. But we chatted for a little bit, and uh, and that guy walks his talk and he talks his walk. Yes. And, uh, yes. and so I'm so impressed with him. So he has gone on now to become a consultant in helping mm-hmm. other people uh, start their own Magic Kingdom. Uh, yeah, I saw he just recently had a, was it a book that just came out or something? He's been kind yeah. of. Yeah, How's the Culture about? in Your Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's. It's funny that you said that you were in an elevator with him because immediately I'm like, oh, what did he say? Because you know how you get into an elevator with people and everybody's quiet, nobody yeah. talks to each other. But that man, you, you put him in any situation and he can start up a conversation with somebody. Absolutely. Uh, I my favorite Dan Cockrell story is just watching him every because he would always show up at the cafeteria, cast cafeteria. Yep. And he was renowned for just he'll sit anywhere. He would take his tray of food and he would go sit with anyone. Yeah. And that's what I loved. I just loved – I would be like on the sidelines watching this. <laughs> and I was lucky yeah. enough to have him sit at one of my tables one day. But just – he would just sit with any cast member, sit down, start up a conversation, and people just loved the man. He was the nicest. Wow. And, and it, he started to become somebody that I would look to towards to help as I was developing my leadership style. I wanted to really – embrace what he did he, just a phenomenal person yeah yeah anyways didn't need for this to turn into the dan <laughs> podcast. But. so yeah so that's that's my one podcast and then the other podcast is called let's talk soon uh where i was looking to when when this pandemic began 
Um, I was looking for somebody to have conversations with um, that were a little less evergreen, you know, with the leading creative podcast. I want that. Mm. I want those episodes to live on for forever and be applicable no matter what is going on in the world. Uh, But um, I also I was like, well, I want to have some conversations about what is happening right now. And I went to the person in my life who I have known the longest. I've never not known her. And that is my sister. And oh, wow. yeah, and so she and I have grown up and developed a relationship, a friendship that is um, just uh, unstoppable. And we have a history then together where, again, a history and a trust with each other where we're able to talk about anything and bring stuff up and kind of mind meld in and say, you know, she'll say just a phrase knowing that I will then launch into a story and I can do the same with her. <laughs> but on that podcast, um, it's called Let's Talk Soon. And we talk about the things that we are, she and I are both reading about, writing about, thinking about and speaking up about. Cool. Mm, nice. That's awesome. Oh, that's so wonderful. I've already added both of them to my list, so <laughs> I will be I caught up. Uh, I also have a, um, a, a uh, this is embarrassing, but please tell her, I have a um, YouTube video queued up of your wife uh, in Voices of Liberty ready to, yeah. oh, ready to listen that, to. <laughs> I have, I've already subscribed to the Voctive. <laughs> like, listen, we are not messing around here. I we love it. support each other Super so much. Fans. Super fans. Um, and I know we're getting close to end of our time that we can do stuff here. But I did yeah. want to ask kind of like, how how are you doing, Rob, with, you know, the, the crazy times that we're in right now? Yeah, we're we're doing okay. Um, we've been able to figure it out and work it out and, and make some things happen. You know, there are days that are better and easier than others, as is true for so many of us. There are days when you wake up and you just go, is this ever going to be over? And you just feel, <laughs> right. you just feel like, oh, no, it's, <laughs> you know, how long are we going to have to do this? But then other days where we're, you know, we're, we're working it out and figuring it out and feeling good about what is happening. Um, you know, the podcasts and things that I've been able to do and, uh, like this one and, and a handful of others and some YouTube videos that I've been able to do with some friends and things, um, you know, have kept, certainly kept me busy, but at the same time led to new opportunities and things that were not I wasn't even really thinking about as being possibilities. Hmm. Um, but these opportunities, you know, I am, my wife is a goal setter and I am an opportunity Caesar. So um, I tend to be, you know, she is more like, okay, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. Here's the long-term plan. If it's not part of that goal, then we're not doing it. And so, but for me, I'm like, yeah, but here's this thing that just landed in our lap. Like, let's jump on it. Let's do it. So um, I tend to be more of an opportunity guy. And so from this, again, we were talking earlier, creators will create. And Mm -hmm. from this, there are creators that have contacted me and people that I have contacted and said, hey, let's go to work on something. Let's do something. So we'll we'll see what comes out of this. I've I've definitely not been at a loss for staying busy, um, but that's just my personality. I will always find something Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. and to keep my mind in a good, positive, forward-moving place. But... uh, but at the same time, we are anxious and ready to get back to work and get in front of audiences again. And um, it is it is not uncommon. This is maybe the first podcast I've done that I've not like gotten all teary and choked up at the idea of, of going back to work. Do because you want to make you cry? Mm. <laughs> no, we just we love it. <laughs> 
We Molly's lo- like challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. We just we love it so much and we miss it, yeah. you know. And and we want to come back. We can't. We want to come back when it's safe. We want to come back when it's right. We want to come back and have everybody feel good about coming back. Um, and so all of that is in place. But but we we cannot wait. We're so excited to get back to doing it. And. Um, so that's amazing. Well, good. I, that sounds like you're in a really good place, which yeah. is wonderful to hear. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I can't wait to get back either. I am, um, yeah, I'm ready. Give me, <laughs> give me the hoopty-doo musical review. I know, right? I'm paying for premium seating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's fantastic. Close. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely a pleasure thank you thank you yes so much. thank you so much well i'm I, you know just selfish selfishly i you had jared on and i was like oh i want to talk to these people this sounds like so much fun i, I want to i want to talk i have some things i want to share yeah. uh I love it. so I love yeah it. thank you for thanks for having me on this has been so much fun oh well i mean honestly it sounds like you've also you're involved with a lot of stuff with similar yeah. things that we're all obsessed with. So I think there's definitely, um, we should do this again soon. We'll pick a, pick a new topic. Absolutely. Let me know. I, I would love to come back. Let me know if you're, if there's anything else you think, I wonder what Rob has to say about that. Yeah. I bet I have something to say. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I, you know, as I wrote down all the places you've worked, I'm sure we're going to hit those topics, you know, so we'll be sure to. Turtle talk to with out. crush. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank great. you. Well, and also, you know, to everybody listening, um, you know, you heard, uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to share, uh, but you've, you know, your two podcasts that you have, The Leading Creative and Let's Talk Soon, um, y- your wife, Voctive, I've yeah. already followed that, I'm listening <laughs> to that now. So we appreciate you being here. And of course, our listeners, thank you for listening to us as we talk about all kinds of fun stuff uh, in the theme parks. All right. I think that'll do it. Thanks, everybody. We miss you, Cheryl. I said, Cheryl, this one's Cheryl! for you. Cheryl, <laughs> to Cheryl, <laughs> to Cheryl. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next uh, next episode. <laughs>